Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. We are back for part two of our conversation with Emma Ford. In episode seven, we learned about Emma's journey from England to the United States, discovered what world-class grooming truly means to her, and why she loves being an Andis educator. In this episode, we pick up the discussion where we left off, and we will get to hear Emma's advice as well as some of her greatest moments. Emma, did you hit any roadblocks along the way where you thought you might turn around and try something totally different? I know you talked about that that year in between, and then you went back to work for Philip. but was there anything that really kind of stopped you dead in your tracks? No, I don't think there has been. Um, you know, there's definitely been learning to deal with disappointment and loss in this business of horses. I would say not necessarily it's been a roadblock, but it sort of sits you back and and makes you think, well, you know, am I am I strong enough to keep continuing? Um, you know, we very, you know, um, unfortunately had a barn fire in 2011 and although it wasn't still at sources it was um you know a very good friend and it was on the farm here he was renting a barn and they lost six horses and I was actually the second person on site oh my gosh and I mean that day was just the most terrific day of my life like I I can't even explain to explain it to you you know that day you know the next day the next week you were like do I really want to do this and then I've lost horses that, you know, these, these horses are my friends. I consider them my best friends. I'm, I'm getting choked up now. Just thinking about <laughs> but, you know, the ones, losing the ones that are, are retired and, you know, they've, they've been and been so amazing. Like that, that's, you know, that I feel like that's just grief. But we've lost a couple that, you know, to random accidents that, that haven't been able to be explained and, knowing they haven't reached their full potential and uh, it, you know it's just gut-wrenching and um, I've definitely a few times taken a step back from that and you know asked myself do I want to continue can I keep continuing when you feel that much hurt and um, it's full complete gratitude to Philip and Evie for you know their work, work ethic through these times and their support for me to say okay I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep going you know and then you have a high and then you're like okay this is why I do this you know the other horses still need you so um like I say roadblock no but just taking a look back and you know taking a step back and looking you know the tragedies that can happen gets me thinking even more you know Absolutely. Well, your passion is definitely evident. I mean, I can feel it in the way that you talk about these horses and your connection to them, just looking for those highs and overcoming those lows and just wanting the best for them. I mean, I can feel it. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. because I try and teach that when I do my clinic. Like I just, you know, I feel if the, if, if the kids and that don't pick up on the passion, I'm like, oh, you're so missing out if you don't have this passion. You know. <laughs> so it's nice when people are like, you can hear it. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Well, you um, you mentioned several times that learning, you're always learning, you're never going to stop learning. So what's next? What are you hoping to learn next? So I'm getting more and more focused through the, you know, through the business, we're trying to, as I say, you know, educate, you know, focusing more on horsemanship, um, educating the young rider as well as the adult amateur. Um, definitely one of the problems in our sport at the moment is the 
young rider that is encouraged to become a professional at a young age before they really, you know, before they really know that much themselves about horsemanship. A rider would stay with another professional until they were like 30 years old, and now you've got young riders going, being a professional when they're 23, you know. Um, so for me, I really want to be part of helping that generation improve their horse care, improve the longevity of their horses, and, you know, make them realize how much they need to focus on the horsemanship side of things, not just the riding. I believe that looking at the health of the horse, sort of looking at the whole horse approach um, when it comes to like welfare and management of health is important. Like I, I think it's so hard in today's world. We have so many technologies out there to help us. And at the end of the day, they might improve an outcome but they're not gonna they're not gonna quicken up the outcome so time is time you know if a horse gets hurt they need time um just because you you know using some therapy it might look better but it doesn't mean it's going to be stronger um if you don't give it time so i really want to be part of the people that help push prevention rather than always looking at symptoms um really push the whole horse approach to help our sport horses um, have a long, longer competition life, but a healthy, happy one as well. Sure. Well, let's jump over and talk about advice. I know you have so much to give. You've already given us some really wonderful advice um, from your experience. But if you could turn back time and talk to your freshman college self, what would you say? You know, I don't know. Like, um, I think make sure you go into into whatever, you know, even if you don't have a career path, you know with horse if you don't know what career path you just know you want to be with horses like you need to be someone make sure that you're very open-minded um just because you have come from the eventing background doesn't mean that you can't learn from the dressage background from the racing from western you know all these disciplines you know there's a top in every one of those disciplines and they're at the top for what however they manage their horses and um, the ability to draw from them what is going to work for you, I think, is very important. You know, so definitely be prepared to do that. Be flexible. Get off your phones when you're in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can tell you right now. I mean, honestly, I, I, if I had my way, I would have all my staff put their phones in a basket in the morning <laughs> and be like, you can't touch them until lunch. Um, but obviously, Having said that, safety-wise, no, I don't do that because if they're out riding and they see a horse, you know, get stuck in a paddock or something, I want them to be able to call me, you know. So no, I don't ask them to do that. Good point. But I do, you know, like it's, I see it all the time. It's in, it's not, just, you know, you see it at the shows. Everybody's just so busy on their phones. Like, get off your phones and look up and, you know, watch your horses, listen to your horses. Um, you know that they are trying to communicate with you and when you're not you know if you're not opening yourself up to that then you're missing probably the best part of the connection with the horse so yeah get off your damn phone <laughs> there's some sound advice from Emma Ford no, that's, do I sound like I'm like 95 going on 100 <laughs> No, no, it's so true. I mean, everyone sees it where you go and they're right. There's so much amazing things going on and you'll miss it if you're buried in your phone. What advice do you have for anyone that's looking to get into the equine industry as a professional? Decide how hard you want to work. 
<laughs> good advice. Seriously, like I, I, it, it is amazing how many people, uh, you know, you, I, I've, I've met doing this that, you know, they, they, if they can't finish by four o'clock in the afternoon, they're like, well, why not? And it's like, well, because it's horses and we're not done yet, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and I really truly believe like you, you have to know, you know, do you have the work ethic that, that is needed in the horse industry? Um, whether that's, you know, even as a trainer, um, as a groom, um, as a, you know, equine vet, like, uh, farrier, you know, you name it, they are all there until, you know, many hours of the day, just putting their all into it. And so you really, if you want to get the most out of it, and and certainly I don't mean money-wise, because <laughs> a lot money-wise, um, you know, you've got to decide that you, your heart and in, in there um, for the long haul, you know. Um, there's no quick fixes. I don't think you get to the top by, there's no fast way of getting to the top, basically. So, um, you know, really decide, is, is, is this where I want my life to go? And the great, the great thing about horses is if you do it for three years and decide it's not for you, you can come back to it in 20 years and have another go, you know? I mean, there's always going to be horses. There's always going to be competition. Um, or whether you want to be a pleasure rider, like, that, that's the wonderful thing about them. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing I can ask people to think about. Well, Emma, I'm sure you have several to choose from, but do you have a most memorable moment with horses that you can share with us? So there's actually three that stand out. I think it was 1991. I got to compete at the Horse of the Year show at Wembley in London. And um, this is like one of the most iconic venues and horse shows that I don't even know how long it's been going. Um, And this was my, uh, he was actually my last, my last own horse. And, um, but he was an unbelievable jumper. He, totally looked after me and I honestly people say oh you saw stride I might know my horse saw the stride like I just sat there (laughs) but um so through you know we affiliated and managed to qualify for the horse of the year show and that was just a a, unbelievable moment and you know for everyone and my dad you know he funnily enough we had been originally when we went to see this horse for sale sort of was like oh I don't know like I'm not so sure but my dad um was the one that was like, no, we're getting him. And he turned out to be an absolute superstar. Um, and he was great on cross country. He, he liked to be the master's horse out hunting. He was actually a little bit too strong for me to hunt personally, but um, he wanted to be up front doing the, doing the grunt work. So he did that, but then he took me through the B test and the space, the Wembley show. So that's definitely my number one, my own personal goal. And then with Philip in uh, 2008, Connor won what is now the five-star um, at Kentucky, which was, you know, Philip's first five-star win. And that was just an unreal moment. I had a particular connection with that horse. He was very quirky. His show name was Connor, um, and in the barn he was called Simon. He was sort of the first horse of Philip. When I first came to Philip, everybody was like, oh, Simon, he's such a pain in the ass. You can't catch him. He won't eat, you know. And, you know, he had this thing where he was a bit of a narcoleptic. He'd fall asleep and fall down, basically, and stuff. Oh, my and goodness. Very, just very quirky. He didn't really want to be groomed and stuff like this. And so I sort of took him under my wing. I sort of, he was my, like, first project 
you know, I'm going to bond with you, you're with you and me together, we're going to be great. And um, I always remember, uh, I feel like it's one of the compliments Philip ever gave me. Um, in 2006, he was on the team at that time for Australia at the World Equestrian um, Games in Arpin. And we had to ship, he, he went as an individual for Australia, he wasn't actually on the team that yet. But anyway, we had to ship from here to Germany. So we flew into Amsterdam and then traveled to Germany. And like I say, traveling for this course was not good. Like very, very stressful. And um, I basically, once we hit Amsterdam, I would like ride in the back with him to help him, you know, just stay calm and stuff. And I can remember when we got off the other end, Philip was there and he was like, oh my God, this is the best this horse has ever traveled. You know, and I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Well, of course it was. He had Emma Ford at his side. <laughs> but that was pretty unreal. And then obviously the individual bronze at the Rio Olympics in 2016 was mighty nice. You know, I'm, maybe that's probably the most outstanding one because obviously that was a accumulation of so much hard work. Um, an amazing horse, amazing owners. And, um, you know, the backstory to that particular horse was he was owned by one of Philip's very closest friends who had actually passed from cancer the year before. And, um, you know, Philip had got people together that knew Bruce very well and who then uh, have ownership of the horse. And so, you know, we always say that that day we feel that Bruce was looking down, as up, down on us in Rio and, you know, to get that bronze was pretty unreal. So, wow, I just got goosebumps. Yeah, those are, but again, you know, we always, yeah, it'd be amazing if it got gold, but it doesn't matter. Like, that horse gave us his all. But, um, you know, ironically enough, he wasn't the first pick to go. We actually had another horse that was meant to go to Rio. And, you know, they say things happen for a reason. And that horse, the original horse, got hurt on his final gallop. And we went, you know, then Happy had to go. And um, when we walked, even when Philip walked that, cross-country course first time in Rio he came back and he was like thank god I've got happy <laughs> oh my gosh and uh it's yeah so I always say I like to think things do happen for a reason and I definitely definitely felt it definitely felt it there oh my goodness those are some pretty stellar outstanding top three you should be very proud <laughs> thank you do you have a horse industry recommendation that you can give us? Maybe it's a product or an event or um, some sort of media, but just anything horse related that you think our listeners would also like. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you got all day. <laughs> so uh, one of the interesting ones, um, looking at me for media books, I'm actually starting to read a, horse, a book called Horse Speak. And it's by Sharon, I'm going to say Wilsey, W-I-L-S-I-E. And um, she has basically, she basically went and sat out with horses. So I don't even know how many years. But she's basically figured out how to have conversations with horses in their language. And um, a friend introduced this to me and showed me just a very couple of basic techniques. And um, I am definitely completely fascinated and into this and there's a couple of things in this book that um have really helped me and I think anyone that's sort of interested in horsemanship or you know natural work you know they'd be really interested in this book um so that's probably on the book front 
sort of products. I mean, the list is endless, um, but obviously I couldn't do my job without um, some of my, my clippers from Andes. And um, my go-to, you know, I literally, like I say, I'm a little bit picky about who clips in my barn and therefore I end up doing most of it myself. <laughs> um, but uh, they have a clipper called the Pulse VR2 and it's cordless and it's lightweight and I can body clip, I can trim. Um, you, what, if you need to get rid of hair, this is, this is the clipper. <laughs> um, super easy, super easy to use. Um, and, you know, for my clinics, it's, I've just found people really, really love this clipper and, you know, teaching children how to, how to clip, it's just very ergonomic. Um, and they, they get a much better feel with this clipper. And then I use, so um, Anders do the uh, ceramic blade, which um, the top, the shorter blade is, is made of ceramic, um, so it doesn't get hot. But I actually, as well as using them for trimming, I actually use it to um, razor my mane. Oh. So that they, if I've got a horse that might have a really thin mane, or um, if I've got a horse that really cannot stand his mane being cool, Mm -hmm. I'll use that um, either a number 10 or a number 15 to like help razor the mane and um, it produces just a great effect and you know it doesn't look like the mane's just been cut um, which is very important to me and then my other I also have the um, Anders Pulse um, LL5 which is a cordless clipper with adjustable blade and that for me when I go abroad especially um, when I'm needing to pack and ship like they that's amazing because it holds the charge I can charge it once and if I'm away for three weeks it's all I need for trimming for those three weeks um, which is you know as, as an inventor we're known for packing a lot including the kitchen sink um, so <laughs> if I only need what, what you know this is like the perfect clipper to have in my grooming kit <laughs> So yeah, without without my uh, without those, I I would not be able to produce the professional jobs that I hope everybody witnesses. <laughs> if anyone wants to know our favorite products, then please just go online and look at World Class Grooming. It's all right there. <laughs> and you know, we're proud to say that you know it's uh, we have a great some great companies behind us. So it's very cool. Wonderful. Well, I know uh, finding something that's not horse related uh, for someone like yourself that eats, sleeps and breathes and is so passionate about it sometimes can be tricky, but I would love to know, do you have a non-horse recommendation? So anything in your life that's not <laughs> horse related that you think our listeners might also enjoy? <laughs> um, well, most people are surprised to know one of my own personal hobbies, and I think everybody should do it, but anyway. I'm just biased. I do ballroom dancing, ballroom and Latin dancing. No way. <laughs> um, I, I do. I'm not very good, but I absolutely love it. I love swing, hustle, uh, cha-cha, rumba, waltz, 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 you name it. I just love uh, being flung around the ballroom. <laughs> I get so annoyed when people are like, oh, I have two left feet. And I'm like, dude, just get out there and try. Like, I... I couldn't even do it when I first started, but 
I just love music so much and any genre of music, you know, I'm always, whenever I'm listening on the radio, people are like, well, what are your favorite songs? I'm like, I don't know, but this one's got a really good two-step beat to it. Or this one's, I could hustle to this one. This one's really good. Like, <laughs> that's definitely, you know, I, I, I wish people would go out and find enjoyment in dancing. And also, you know, I obviously, I think you know, our work world is so intense, like to be able to step away from it and be surrounded by people that have zero idea about horses and not have to talk about horses is obviously a good thing <laughs> sure um yeah and then i terribly into i think this is i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but um anything to do with true crime <laughs> i i am all about like i i listen to the crime junkie podcast and then on the other side of that i love there's a podcast called wrongful conviction and um, it's all about people that have been wrongfully convicted and mm-hmm. how they went through it. And, you know, um, I'm just fascinated by, I'm not even sure what the right words are, but just how the law, you know, the justice system works, basically. And, mm-hmm. you know, how it used to work back in the 70s and 80s is like pretty scary, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those, that would, you know, anyone that wants, is interested in any of that, that those are my two non-horse related things I do is dancing and anything crime. I think the it might be the best recommendation section I have yet had on this podcast. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, Emma, you've been absolutely delightful. Well, the last yeah, thing awesome. I have for you is a little bit of a game. Uh, it's called This or That. So I'm just going to read off two different things and you're just going to pick which one you like better. You don't have to have any reason for okay. why or any explanation unless you'd like to offer one, but it'll just be rapid fire. Okay. What's your preference? Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Hunter braids or dressage braids? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> dressage braids. <laughs> Curry comb or flick brush? Curry comb. Bathing or clipping? Uh, clipping. Do you like greys or do you like bays? Uh, bays. <laughs> <laughs> do you prefer to work with mares or geldings? I have to say geldings. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> do you shop online or do you shop in person for your tack and your supplies? Um, honestly, I do both. That's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is all that. I definitely I definitely do both. Pulled tail or braided tail? Uh pulled tail. And if you give goodies, do you give peppermints or ginger snaps? Uh peppermints. Paddock boots or wellies? Paddock boots. And then do you take time to style your hair or would you rather throw on the baseball cap and get to work? Oh God, I throw on the baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and this I just got my hair cut and they're like so what do you want and I'm like I just need to be able to turn my hair upside down and dry it there's no styling and this last one's mm-hmm. not a this or that but um, I'd love to know do you make New Year's resolutions no I do not nope <laughs> she goes and she gets it no no I, I, I don't at all I would say I don't make resolutions. I make goals. I like that. And I, but I don't necessarily put a time on the goals. I'm like, this is what I would, I want to do this. How am I going to get there? You know, so like one of my goals, I actually, I want to take two months 
and saving up money. So one of my goals is I want to go and work with like elephants, orphaned elephants and rhinos in Africa somewhere. You know, I feel like we are so lucky to live in the world that we do with horses. I, I just want to give back to a different world where, you know, they don't have, they basically, you know, humans are pretty much destroying them. <laughs> and um, if I can just volunteer for two months and go and help and be immersed in their world where, you know, they have nothing, I, I just really feel the need to do that. And, you know, I've wanted to do that for the last, I, I, you know, I thought about it a couple of years ago and I'm like, okay, when am I going to do this? How am I going to afford it? And, you know, it's coming together. So, um, yeah, I make goals. I, I find something I want to do and say, okay, I'm going to get there. Just got to figure it out how. <laughs> what a wonderful goal. We're going to have to keep up with you. And when that comes to fruition and you make it out there that we'll follow along with you. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Maybe I'll do a blog. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> That's everything I had. I, I'm I'm blown away. I'm just I'm so flattered that you were willing to be on the podcast and share all of your knowledge and your journey with us. Thank you so much. I can't even express how thankful I am. Oh God, no! I'm happy. It's all about it's all about sharing knowledge, right? How do any of us learn if we don't share the knowledge? So. <laughs> Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at at Beyond the Saddle podcast. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.